0: Welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. Wrapping up another great week with a fantastic interview. It's former Texans linebacker, special teams expert, NFL veteran, Brian Peters. He joined me on the podcast today. It's episode 61. It was a fascinating conversation. I'll get into more of those particulars in a second before the actual interview, but first... Go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. And as I always say, why haven't you? What are you waiting for? Uh, It's time to get on board with this thing. Um, I like the format that we've done. This week I teased it's going to be a Monday, Wednesday, Friday format, and I think that's sustainable. I think it's good. It's not like, you know, because there are, especially during the summertime, there aren't things to talk about every day as far as sports goes. Now, I can probably talk about news stories and Getting all sorts of stuff, but unless they affect the sports world, I'm probably not going to get into it. So I think a Monday, Wednesday, Friday time frame or schedule, if you will, uh, will, be, uh, will be good for this podcast. So ending the week on a good one, uh, Brian Peters, as I mentioned, stopped by. He uh, has a fascinating story just to get to the NFL. This is an Ohio kid, went to Northwestern, go Cats. Uh, then he was a safety at Northwestern. Then he got out of school, wanted to play in the NFL. And the way he got there was just incredible. He, he made several stops along the way. I'll let him tell you the story. We kind of go into that, but just the, the ups and downs and the, uh, mental focus that he had to have to get to the NFL, a guy that was undrafted out of Northwestern probably should have been drafted. Honestly, he was great at NU had a good career, became a really standout safety, but, uh, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen. You don't get drafted and don't – you don't get the path that you wish, right? So you have to carve one out yourself, and Brian did that. And he's really got an awesome mindset. And what he's done lately, you know, he played with the Texans. Well, actually played for the Vikings, then came to the Texans, was here for several years. Then after that, he actually signed up with the uh, Houston Roughnecks about a week before the whole thing shut down because of COVID, and it never came back. So that was actually the last time I talked to him uh, in person, but uh, he he kind of talks about what life has been like since that. You know, it's the, it's an adjustment when you, when you're focused your entire career on one thing, especially the workload and the commitment and the, you know, just the mental toughness that it takes to be an NFL player, uh, to maintain your body, to just to just always stay up with everybody else around you, and then that's not there. Like football's gone for a while. Then that, that was kind of tough for him so he talks about that and what he's really gotten into now he's he, he owns several businesses he talks about that um, and it's just um, it's just a really cool story and th- one of the other reasons I wanted to talk to him too is because look from a personal perspective I mean I see him post videos all the time and pictures and all I mean the guy is a, a, a like a, a freak physical freak uh, and that that is a compliment because I mean he stays in shape he uh, he's very Honed in and tuned in with what his body needs, what what it takes to be an elite athlete. And for me, I mean, I'm not trying to be an elite athlete. That time has way gone. But uh, I just want to be in shape. And I wanted to ask him about, you know, sort like a normal guy like me. I, like I've got some back issues, and that kind of stems back to uh, an issue I had in college. Funny story. I'll go ahead and tell it. Um, actually, it's not a funny story because I've had some really bad back issues. But anyway, uh, so. I was in a fraternity, Beta Theta Pi. I was in a fraternity uh, back in college. And I don't really keep up with the fraternity guys anymore. But, hey, it was something cool to do in college. So I was in a fraternity. One of my frat brothers was going to drop me off at a dorm at Northwestern. And he thought it was going to be a good idea. He thought it was cool to move the car car as I'm getting out. And I'll never forget the moment. I, I knew exactly where it was. It was on Sheridan Street. And... I, I, I couldn't believe he did it. Like, I'm about to step out, and boom, I fell right on my tailbone. Like, right, right on my tailbone. And I it hurt so much that I thought, oh, man, this is going to probably pass. But it hurt. And wouldn't you know it, like, years and years and years later, I figure out that I have a bulging disc in my lower back. I throw out my back every now and then. I should really send that jerk my medical bills. Honestly, I need to look him up. James was his name. I'm not gonna say his last name, but James was his name. Homeboy really has cost me some time, man. <laughs> I go to a chiropractor. I try to do workouts that kind of, you know, are that are tailored to not throwing out my back all the time. So it's it's something that I struggle with. I, I'd work out a lot more if I if I didn't have that problem, honestly. And uh, I did want to talk to Brian about some, you know, some routines. And one of the things he talks about is just being, uh being very perceptive and being in, in tune with your breathing. And I'm going to let him talk about it because it, it's really fascinating stuff, something that I, I really kind of want to get into. So we talk about all of that. He talks about his businesses, how he kind of got involved in that as well. Here's Brian Peters, former Texans linebacker, special teams expert. And uh, we talk about a whole bunch of things. It's a long conversation. I think you're going to like it. And Brian was awesome. So, uh, Brian, last time we spoke, I think in person was – Right after the XFL season, I believe. Right, I mean. So I know that seems like a long time ago, but what has the last year and a half been like for you, man?
1: Uh, the last year and a half been pretty crazy, actually. Just uh, one, just working and living without football in your life is different. So I had to find some structure. Um, I obviously I have a couple of businesses on the side that I've had uh, since I've been playing as well. So. Uh, matured those uh grew grew personally learning how to run a business and then i um, trying to grow those as well so so it's been exciting and then on top of that I was trying to be curious and live and learn as much as possible and uh not be too passive when it comes to living life so I've uh um I've traveled a little bit nothing out of the country just because of COVID and that kind of thing but just um yeah dude I I, I find my I find my way to keep busy <laughs> well, yeah, because we've been talking, I
0: mean, you, you, you stay busy. That's good. I didn't know you had a couple of businesses on the side. We'll kind of get to that in a moment, but like you talked, you touched on the fact that you don't, you're not, you're living without football and yeah. what that, it's been how long since that's been the case. I mean, you, you played this yeah, game I, your whole life, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then obviously like I, <clears throat> I took the scenic route to get to the NFL through <laughs> arena, UFL, CFL, and that kind of thing. And then, so, I mean, I basically played, if you count the XFL I played pro for eight years and um I've had conversations still for like the last year and a half two years with teams um so I, I'm never not in shape I can never not not do a workout but we uh um we've had some interesting communications as of late um but we'll see how all that stuff plays out it's nothing too much of substance but I uh so I always train I, I've, I've fallen into a really cool group of people up here and uh in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm living currently and where I'm from, where uh, they train at 4 a.m., um, about 25 minutes outside the city. Yeah, well, so I, I spent a lot of time uh, in my transition trying to find a structure that worked for me, mm-hmm. and I found out uh, pretty slowly that, like, like the structure I wasn't doing or that I, that, that I had wasn't working, and then so I progressed through that um, just through some adversity with um, friends, family, business people, uh, my girlfriend at the time, those kind of things. And then eventually I found that like just either how I am or how football made me, like I, I'm someone that demands structure. And so for me, that that 4 a.m. group I've been going since uh end of December. So been been in that life for about six months now. It's been phenomenal. I get more accomplished before 9 a.m. than I used to get done in a day. So that's been that that was super fun for me. And then it uh it was just enlightening for me and made me uh, a little, a little more, a little more happy, a little more productive, all, all the above, and so it gave me a lot of space and time, and generated discipline for me to pursue other things and be creative and those kind of things.
0: I feel like the whole structure thing, though, maybe pertains to a lot more than just you know athletes or people that are used to it. Because last year and a half, I think people have been looking for structure because. You know we're all used to just kind of getting up going to work doing the things take care of the kids. i mean everything that goes into a structure of a life but all that was kind of thrown in flux so what was that time like for you after football i mean how, how difficult was that to kind of get get into a rhythm again
1: um so like i spent that whole like so obviously like I, I still thought I'd get another chance immediately to play um i had some my own adversity with an agent at the time i switched agents and He was kind of masking the fact that I got hurt that year, that last 2018 season with the Texans. He didn't want to correlate 30 and hurt with teams. So uh, that was a a problem because I had special – I had had special teams coaches calling me, asking me what happened last season, and I was telling them that I was hurt. Their front office didn't know that, so that probably um, impeded some of my opportunities and those kind of things. But so that that whole offseason, I I went up to Minnesota – where one of my companies is based, it's called the MindStrong Project. We do human performance, uh, primarily like breath work exposure. And then now we do like strength conditioning and nutrition as well. But a lot of it is holistic and becomes mental skills. Um, And my business partner is now like the, um, I think they call him uh, the breath specialist out with the San Francisco Giants. Um, So we, we were the first breath coach in professional baseball um we continue to coach um we usually do about five to ten nhl guys this summer i think we're sitting at like eight right now we coach them one-on-one because minnesota is just a hotbed for hockey they love it up there it's in their blood and so when uh you say
0: that i gotta so what goes into this type of training and we will kind of get into some of the yeah. your workout <laughs> regimen which is ridiculously intense given <laughs> the videos that you post and all that i will talk about that in a second but what is what is this specific type of training that you guys have kind of honed on
1: So we just we teach um, basically sports psychology, or mental skills to stay away from like a buzzword of psychology because we're not technically certified in psychology. But like, um, so we we just we just basically take the approach that psychology is unresolved physiology, physiology, heart rate, feel um, respiratory rate, those kind of things um, you can't control or you have tools to control. So Basically, like your body and your physiology tells you what's going to happen. And you either have access to your entire brain or you don't. You're living in a parasympathetic state or a sympathetic state of uh, uh, rest and digest or a fight and flight. And a lot of sport and a lot of people that struggle with sport live in this fight and flight state. And they're not solving problems and feeling and uh, seeing the whole field or all those types of things. So we we teach that initially because the only thing you control in the autonomic nervous system is the breath. And if you can control your breath, you can control your heart rate. If you can control your breath and your heart rate, you can control your mind. Like when, when you are breathing heavy out of condition, like you're not going to solve problems because like your kind of lungs are like a, a wind chime. Like the louder they get, the less access to the prefrontal cortex you get as well. Because it is life and death in some aspect. If you are breaking it down to the true like physiological triggers of that. So well, what been-
0: introduced you to this? I mean, let's say, I mean, you're obviously very well-versed and you're 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 all about well like how did you become a part of this and who who got you involved and got you so interested in it
1: yeah so I uh I mean it's probably a long lineage of things that got me into it I I had a great doctor in high school that got me training and uh eating right and I got away from that in college or like supplementing and that kind of thing but uh and then college you have to lo- get locked into the their program so i uh, like that sufficed for me at the time but wasn't what was the best training for me and so i didn't realize that till i got out of school um once it, like that now like if you're going to be a pro the strength conditioning all that kind of stuff's on you so i uh i took that loose foundation from high school where it was very curious my doctor would we would try things um, and then he was training a bunch of MLB guys and consulting for teams. He's a, he's an incredible human, Dr. Eric Serrano. But then when I got out, I actually, so like, like one thing like I got kind of hid from teams when I was coming out was that I got jumped. I got my jaw broke, um, right after I finished signing my two-year contract for Canada and uh, oh, I got really? bouncers wow. behind the bar. So, um, uh, so anyway, so, so I, so I went arena Got cut from the UFL. Then I eventually emailed myself into a practice squad position up in Canada. Signed into your contract the day I got back. I got jumped. Um, got a plate put in my jaw, so I got a plate from here to here. Uprooted some teeth. Broke both mandibles. That was the first time they told me football was probably not going to be an option anymore, which is kind of crazy. Um, it's just not. It's something I've I've been more public with since I stopped playing, just in case anybody wanted. Like right. You never right. Played you never want to give an NFL team a reason not to sign you. Uh, So, uh, and like, I'd always write the surgery down, but I never like gave full details of it, but, uh, and it's, and it's fine. And I've had it checked since then, but, uh, and that was my first like massive on-ramp into um, basically chasing any edge I could get. And uh, so my, and that's where in the back of my mind, I kind of created this motto where I'm always saying like you got to chase edges, sleep, nutrition training all those kind of things so but anyways like kind of how it got amplified in my eyes i i'm wired shut for seven weeks i dropped almost like 15 20 pounds in the first 10 days my doctor comes over has me start going to his going training his basement in the next six weeks uh, i gained all my weight back i was stronger um i used that time to transition i used the time in canada to transition from safety to linebacker played safety at northwestern obviously um so I gained my weight. Um, I actually went and did Northwestern's Pro Day a year after my previous Pro Day, weighed in a uh, little over 20 pounds heavier, ran a, a faster 40, jumped higher, bench more, all that kind of stuff. So like that opened my eyes to the power of all these little marginal gains um, or like the what's the phrasing, the law of aggregation of marginal gains. These percentages all stacked up and made me a better player. So whether it was, and I, I was always a pretty, like a mentally savvy player where I could absorb a lot. Um, but the big thing that paid off for me was catching my body up to that. And and at this time, I had no idea about the breath and those kind of things. I just, I found good people to uh, mentor me. I had some good players up in Canada. I had Chad Greenway in uh, Minnesota with the Vikings. Then I got down to Houston and uh, my doctor actually represented Kush, I think, in his first um, PD thing. And then, um, so my doctor already knew him and he's like, hey, look out for Brian when he's down there. Then I knew John Simon already. And so, and then I saw other guys, I just kept eyes on the best players. I saw things that they did that were useful. And if they worked for me, I, I adopted them. If not, I discarded them. So I just kind of kept pulling tools from great players. Um, like, again, like everybody kind of has something that works for them. So if you, and I, I was just always curious and those kind of things were. I try a bunch of things and see what worked. Like I learned, like learn things from You learn things from guys older and younger than you. So it was, it was really cool. And then and along the same lines, you meet a bunch of strength, conditioning coaches, chiropractors, acupuncturists, um, people that read, read your blood work, all those kind of things. And I just always, once I got resources in the NFL, like now, like it just kind of took off where like, I started red lighting. I started uh, float tanking. I started getting like, so like the, this, like, the first time I got into kind of breath work was um, when I was in Canada, just real quick. Um, my last year up there, my doctor, and I have a different doctor out in Arizona, John Toma, who's my trainer when I was in high school, he went to chiropractic school when I was at Northwestern, but uh, he saw the Wim Hof stuff and some of the loose science coming out initially. So he goes, Hey, you got to train yourself to do 20 minutes up to your neck in the cold tub. And I was like, what the hell? And uh, well, so eventually oh I did it and in the offseason. I was training in Ohio State at the time, which is another crazy story. One of my buddies got me in there. And then Anthony Schlegel, who's the head strength coach at the Jacksonville Jaguars now, was opened the doors and invited me to work with the NFL group because he liked how I work. And that changed the trajectory of my life, too. But um like in the cold tub, when you're doing that, you have no choice but to breathe and just. It's intuitively- all
0: about controlling your breath right at that moment. I mean, yeah, all the way to your neck. That's that's crazy.
1: Yeah, so like so I've been do, I've been doing that since 2014, and um and I, I stay I, I did 20 like I I learned I I learned about it, but like I still did that in Houston. I did that one or two days a week. I usually did it before I hopped on the plane on Saturday. Um, but the like the big thing is like I just intuitively found a way just to calm my breath, and it was just like it was either counting it. And I, I had no tactic to it at the time. There's actually ways to manipulate the breath to absorb more oxygen and calm the system, like carrying out exhales and things like that, that are just very simple tools that are profound. Like we obviously the, the guys with the giants right now love it, but the pitching staff to like down regulate between pitches and innings and our hockey and our oh, hockey yeah. guys, and our hockey guys love it between shifts. Like you want to be the guy with the most juice and recovers the fastest and Like if you're mouth breathing the entire time, like you're wasting energy. So we want to fill up your tank as fast as possible. But so anyways, um, uh, when I was coming through Minnesota, my business partner, he was a pitching coach at the time in Minnesota, mostly for like collegiate athletes, a few high school guys. And we went to high school together just for like freshman, sophomore year high school. And he saw, I got signed by the Vikings, hit me up. We, we reconnected. He was transitioning out of professional baseball. He was in the minor leagues for a few years. And he was kind of finding himself doing kind of what I did this last year and a half, like, who am I without football? Having yeah, that identity yeah. issue, that kind of thing. And um, and he found Wim Hof method. And in the same time, like, kind of this, like, we we we. After I got signed by the Viking or the, the Texans week three or four that year, um, we kind of talked once a month. And he never really told me about that 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 he was doing that. And then I I had seen Wim Hof just because my my guy had put me on with like just a the cold therapy, not the breath work stuff. And then I actually, that year um, we had a new sports performance coach in, down in Houston and he started paying, they started paying for the float tank. So I started going to that two, three times a week and just randomly, like one, I couldn't really fall asleep in there initially. But then the second thing I did, I, I just started like seeing how long I could hold my breath in there. Cause like, again, same thing. Like it's, Sensory deprivation, like there, there's no light, try to be no sound, you're weightless. Like the goal is to like unclench the mind. So like, and it's awesome. It's basically forced meditation because it's just you and your thoughts in there. So again, I found breathing and then I started holding my breath in there and I Google, hey, how do I hold my breath longer? Just the competitive side of me. And uh, I find that it's um, uh, it's free diving protocols and Wim Hof. So I start doing both. I started increasing how long I'm holding my breath and, and it kind of happened at a, a perfect storm where like when I started going regularly, like three times a week, um, was the same time that Luke Richardson came in with the Texans. So that was 2017 maybe. And, um, he initially deemed that the team wasn't fit to run our hamstring scores FMS scores, things like that. So the first like month of OTAs, we didn't run. We just strength train, trained our glutes, firing patterns, things like that. And, so, and i would and so like since and he like gave us the whole um authoritarian speech like if i catch any of you guys running at tracks or at these gyms or whatever he go he goes you're out of here i don't care if you're jj watt or whatever it doesn't matter so he did that whole little scare tactic and I don't, i'm sure like guys are still running stuff but i wasn't running but yeah, i was yeah. doing, but i was doing this breathing thing where i was doing free diving protocols and Hof in the sensory deprivation tank for like 30 minutes a pop and then i just chill the rest of the time in there but um when we did start running, we, we had like one run day, then we had a conditioning day and I buried everybody. And like, I, I heard my breath. I was in, in control of it. And I was like, oh, there's something here. And then, so that, and like, we had already started mind strong at this point, but it was more of like a podcast and like mental skills for kids because there was some, there was some depression and suicide attempts at this gym we had access to in Minnesota called mash. And we wanted to help them somehow. And so we like, basically we created an, my owner, but or my co-owner, basically created uh, this thing called the Diamond Series, where you give, you start making intangible things in your mind tangible. Like you home base is your your purpose or your why. Like first base uh, are your standards and values. Second base is where most guys fail. It's um, your systems. What systems do you have in place to support all these things, and then you have a third base your vision. And it just gave kids simple reasons not to get. Um, or not to get their identity caught up and like saying like I am depressed no you're experiencing depression like um or like if they want to be like the hardest worker you can say that but your systems don't support it like you just give them easy ways to see this And that was like the beginning of our psychological development side of sport and so anyways I came home or I went to Minnesota that off season like that January I can't remember if that was the Minnesota Super Bowl or not but um
0: I think that was like 2018, right? I think it was in yeah, Minnesota yeah. Super Bowl 2018.
1: Yeah, so that so that may have been that Super Bowl. So I was up there for a couple of weeks because I played at the Vikings. I knew guys up there, and then um, obviously my buddy was there, and we kind of talked. He, he was telling me about his cold showers and his breathing. I go, I've been doing Wim Hof too. This he goes, he goes, and we kind of just came to the conclusion that sports needs this, and it was phenomenal. And so me and him talked about what we've been doing started implementing plans for these kids we we're working with. And then we um, he was friends with a couple of hockey players in Minnesota. So we started having James James Van Riemsdyk from the Flyers do this and he loved it. And then he, he saw um, progress in his VO2 max and stuff they test with hockey. And then that led into more clients inside of the hockey world. And then he we at the same around the same time me and a couple other buddies invested in MindStrong so that he could do full-time MindStrong and he learned and grew. And he's just, honestly, I mean, he's my same age, but he's probably one of the best coaches I've ever met in my life. Just oh. his ability to relate, story tell, comprehend, not only like, he he has a, a master's degree in sports psychology, but like not certifications. Um, right. But so his ability to coach and uh, basically um, humanize every aspect of performance from strength training to nutrition and just bring it into this like holistic approach because we're very holistic people like we like I, I'm, I'm always barefoot where I'm at for the most part um, my diet's incredibly clean very natural we believe in sun sleep no stress all that stuff so we've we've generated kind of this brand and culture around that and now it's, it, things have just picked up the last year and a half and has kept me busy and I took over the business side of things recently and so that, all that stuff's been learning experience, that kind of thing. But that's how we found breathwork. That's how I found breathwork. And that's how we turned it into what we give and uh, what we offer people now.
0: Man, that's fascinating stuff, man. I mean, I, I guess I haven't really dived into that area of sports psychology or, you know, all the different things that go into it. But I guess the question is, after you, you, you just told me that whole story, are you amazed that after all the hours – uh, that you've put in working out, doing different things that it was this, this element that kind of kind of helped center you the most. I mean, it feels like all the things that go into working out or the pro athlete has to do. not that this is simple, but it seems like this is something that you can like really control and you guys have harnessed it and it and it worked out for you. Isn't that kind of amazing when you kind of step yeah. back and look at the whole thing?
1: Yeah, it's phenomenal. and I, I think it'll be a pillar of uh, not just sports performance but like people chasing life performance. Um, and the future too, like, it just, it just, it's the same thing as like, I mean, I'm I'm trying to figure out some of the, like the things that are woo woo or the like, it's a, it's a breath work is yoga or meditation. And it is. And, but like, I think like, again, like I think meditation and the reason why a lot of, there's a lot of popularity around it now, like all these CEOs do it and all these kind of things. But like, I think everybody should do it because it's a symptom of the modern society too, where like we are overstimulated. Like our our attention spans are down like crazy. Like everything, like we have no patience. We have no filtering of our mind. We're just constantly stimulated. And it really does take peace um, to try and at least handle and make the right decisions in the right mindset. And meditation has been phenomenal for me. Um, I tie some of it to breath work, some of it's not. Some of it's just stillness, the art of doing nothing. But then other times it's, you get even just focusing on your breath for 30 minutes. or five minutes, all those kind of things will change your, change your life. And the, the cool thing is a lot of science in the last, most recently in the last five years, but like the last decade or two has shown that like five minutes of controlled breathing, six in six out through the nose, um, can actually down, down regulate you and reset your nervous system. So there's just really easy benefits to the breath work stuff. And I just, uh, and then if you do a little bit more performance breath work and like the exhale holds and like inhale holds and super ventilation and hypoxic work where you kind of trick your body into thinking you're at altitude and you deprive it of oxygen and stuff like that you can do that like sitting here and then very simple things like the difference between like a mouth and nasal breath like i used like i used to snore i used to like i used to be a breather. i'd wake up with a dry mouth i'd piss in the middle of the night those kind of things are like, those are symptoms of mouth breathing, which mouth is digestive, nose is respiratory. And so like, yeah, you breathe out of your mouth when you're working really hard, but you should be breathing out of your nose the entire, like the rest of the day. So I started taking take like, so back, like same time, 2017, I, I started taking my mouth closed while I slept and and it was phenomenal. Like, so I got a guaranteed eight, nine hours of nasal breathing. Um, my, like I had a whoop band at the time where um, I used to like sleep for eight hours but it'd say I got like five hours and whatever 47 minutes of sleep and it would piss me off and right, because it wasn't uh, like still sleep it's that, that no, restless I, sleep that's annoying yeah. yeah and then like and then that, there's science on all that stuff too now but like and it's also like like once the jaw the jaw drops for like mouth breathing too pinches off the airway gives you makes you more susceptible to sleep apnea all those things and then and that, that's an issue in football anyways, because the majority of people over 225 pounds have a variation of sleep apnea, just because mm. like the weight of the neck, things along those lines. And it goes all the way back to like jaw structure and fire softening food and all the, the very simple diets we feed kids now that you know, they never develop their jaw because they don't have to chew anything because it's a soft food diet, all this stuff. And those are all rabbit holes that we've gone down um, at MindStrong. And you really, you find out that like jaw structure um, like the nasal passageway all those kind of things are impacted by modern life another reason why we preach um, natural ways of living in sync with um, circadian rhythm all those things same with diet so do you I, I feel like you you you've
0: you've embraced this so much that you're really a, do you you want to play again i mean do you want to play in the league are you are you are you ready to go i mean like if somebody calls you hey let's go training camp right around the corner you ready to go you want to keep keep that part of your life active?
1: Yeah, anyways and always. But, um, yeah, like, I'm definitely fit and healthy to, to play. Um, I'm actually uh, working on my long snapping and see if I can get uh, in a door there. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, and that, those have been the conversations as of late. So uh, I, I, I've always, like, I've been our backup long snapper in Houston the entire time, too. I just to snap in, like, a preseason game against the Cardinals at one point. And then All I'd right. Snap in. I snapped in four – Game short and long snapping, the CFL. uh, My high school coach, one of my high school, my defensive coordinator, Jeff Lamonico, he had a couple cups of coffee in the NFL snapping. So he just taught as many of our guys in high school to do it. He's probably got 20 guys' scholarships over the years now. Oh, Um, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's all, it's a a skill. That's just a skill I've had. So um, yeah, just something I. I work on sporadically. And now as of late, I started picking up how I rep it and trying to work in protection schemes and see if anything comes from. It's just a hobby for me right now. So, Um, but I'm excited to give me something It gives me like a new skill to master. So it's been fun so far. What was life
0: like in the NFL?
1: I mean, we talked to you many times and, I mean, what what do you,
0: what do you tell people what life was like in the NFL and that hopefully you will get back to?
1: Yeah. It depends on what, uh, what side of life they're asking about you know like are they asking about the locker room are they asking about the impact of the game are they asking about the the social side like how are the guys in the locker room I was like have you been to the clubs and done that whole scene too yeah. like that kind of stuff and, I, and I've done, I live the whole the whole spectrum and um so I tell them what they what they what they want to hear um, it also depends on my trust level with who I'm talking to, that kind of thing. But uh, no, like that. The NFL is incredible. Like, um, like you see the percentages and your chances of becoming like a high school athlete to college athlete, college athlete to pro athlete. You realize how blessed you are, um, just to have the opportunity to get paid to play a game, anyways. And so you scrap and claw to stay in as long as you can. So like, it's a it's a crazy blessing, and it, it can be crazy stressful at the same time. Um, and then I'll, I'll never n- not love the locker room environment, like guys from all over the country, um, some of the best athletes in the world talking about, again, like, we, like we, like it's not, there's not football dumb conversations in there. Yeah, there is, there's guys joking with each other and talking like uh, stupid topics, but there's guys talking politics, a lot of guys talking business um always talking to x's and o's and then you got guys that have obviously played at other teams around other great players and you get all these perspectives on the sport and everybody's honing their craft and it's like it's truly it's savage like i, I used to sit and watch film with like like J. Joe and k jack uh jonathan joseph and cream jackson and just hearing them talk about the route patterns and those things incredible just absolutely incredible and then like you look like at a guy like uh it's a good like like a b mac like that dude is a duck in water when it comes to talking football, like, like, like things like that, like little nuances of that. And then like, even just the camaraderie and like the training room, all those kind of things. So it's like, it's just a great environment Then you can't, I don't, like I don't think you can beat the schedule either. Like you, like you get six weeks off in the summer, like kind of like a teacher, um, like you, you, you get your winter off. Like, but yeah, you're grinding in season, but like, again, you're doing what you love. and Then like you have the freedom to train on your own, which is something I love. So like, so I'm technically like I, I treat my salary like a year year round. So I obviously get paid per game, but like, like I'm getting paid this amount of money to now train how I want to train for four months before I can be back in April. And I absolutely love it. I, I, I use the opportunity to train um, with some of the best athletes in the sport. I trained at Adrian Peterson's gym for a couple off seasons down there. I trained with DOS, the, the Khan brothers over at Congo that's established in Houston now who trains hop and had trained like hardened those guys in the past like so I, I got around the most highly competitive people again and just learned and competed and uh, pushed myself and I got paid to do it like yeah. what, never gonna argue that I feel like
0: though I, maybe you're being modest because you're you wanted to you know be with other people but from the guys that I, we've talked to in the past your name always came up as like man that dude is a beast like he can run circles or. Everybody, I think even JJ mentioned that one of his press conferences or whatever he brought you up and talking about your workout regimen. But that's got to be a source of pride for you because not only are you learning from them, but you're you're teaching these guys and they're looking at you. I mean that that's got to be such a cool thing, especially for a guy like like you who has done so many things and played at so many levels and now have arrived where the best athletes in the world are.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And like that, what that was. I mean, so the only reason I made the team in Canada. So nobody knew my name. Every, like, so I was wearing number 50. I had white gloves and white shoes. Um, and like in the first couple of meetings, like the coaches like, who, like would literally ask in the team meeting room, who's who's 50, who's 50. So everybody started calling me 50. And then um, I just wanted to play. So but like our, our D coordinator made like a, a note that like, we should like any incomplete pass fumble, whatever. Everybody's got to touch the ball. Like just like a hustle drill, like get to the ball, like a two whistle drill in football. So I did that just to an extreme, like I'd be playing linebacker and they'd throw a fade route and I'd run and go get the ball. Like, so like hustling got me like onto the practice squad in Canada. My first full year in Canada, I wasn't even active initially. The only reason I got active is because like one of our like DB linebacker hybrids was covering a guy and ran into the field goal post that's on the goal line in Canada. And so like I got active and I never looked back, but I kept those same habits, um, so that's just kind of what I, like what I I did. So like I never I tried not to uh, like avoid that. You always I, I fought a little complacency in the NFL as well, and then I fought some injuries. But um, no, yeah. So like that's a, but like again like that's one of the things. Like, Why do you
0: hear? What do you think about when you hear your other uh, other teammates say that stuff about you?
1: I'm I'm super prideful, but like the it's funny. So like I like I trained with JJ a little bit, a uh, little bit more frequent. The last offseason I was there, like because he always liked to run at 6 a.m and like put like he do he did a sled pushes one day we run gassers one day and then he had this little um shuttle combination that was that was tough and phenomenal again like it's that I think that's one of his best um attributes is that his his agility for somebody as long as him is out of control um but anyways uh no like I'm, I'm very prideful about that but like you don't like I'm not like thinking that while I'm training like um, oh, no,
0: no, I know. But I mean, it's still kind of cool, though, that when you, yeah, you, that, yeah. that
1: stuff still kind of pops up on you. Yeah, I, I take pride in it. Like, and and I, I was, like the, the thing that like kind of frustrates because like, I knew I could always control that effort. And it, it was phenomenal. And like, I, I just knew, like, like, I, I went through three different leagues in three years to get a shot in the NFL. So I don't want to give it up. So like, like when they ever brought in younger guys to like come compete, like I'd I'd, I'd outrun them to the ball and then like tell them how old I was like stuff like that. Or just, just to like reiterate to myself that like, I'll, I'll always have that gear. And then when like transitioning out of football, like it, w- it was harder to quantify that amount of effort in different things, whether it was a business or learning or reading anything along those lines. So like that, that was like a weird thing for me, but now I found those gears, but um, no, like yeah, that the, the effort and the training, and then, like, I always caught shit for, like, the supplements and that kind of stuff. I just – like, those were edges for me. Like, those were part of the armor I was playing with. Like, like I, I assume that, like, majority of the NFL doesn't get their blood work done and fill in their deficiencies with X, X supplements and vitamins and that kind of thing. And that's where, like, I learned a lot from Kush <coughs> where um, he was getting his blood work done uh, regularly – he like he was like again like we were getting ivs that like had the the anti-inflammatories the um the antioxidants like things that were just like another step up of what i was already doing so like again like like those kind of things and like so that's where you get like then like like i showed up and i started like i started lifting with john and kush because they kind of lifted on their own in the weight room program at the time so like they assumed i was wired the same so and then like then I started running and that kind of thing. So that's how I kind of probably got the MO. But uh, it was just, it always came from a place of like competitiveness and curiosity and then like finding just another edge to, edge to chase.
0: Were you like that at NU?
1: Uh, yes and no. Uh, NU is more like a maturation process for me. Like I came in there, like I committed to the school because I knew it was the right decision kind of deal. But I, I still wanted to like I grew up. 40 minutes from Ohio University and then like 20 minutes from uh, Ohio State. So I, I still wanted to party and have fun. And I get to Northwestern and at the time we had like 76 undergrad. Um, I uh, like I could barely pronounce the majority of people's names on the doors and my fr- like my freshman deal. And, oh, and like it wasn't a very social school, but I ended up making incredible friends on that same floor. Um, and end up finding fun when I needed fun. But like the structure of Northwestern, we trained at 6 a.m. every day minimum. So like we can only go out once a week. But so like like I just I wasn't ready to like chase those edges yet. And I did I just I did the bare minimum. I did the workout and the runs for the team. And then um then I just got kind of amplified once I redshirted. I was like, I don't want to be here, like that kind of deal and that's where Fitz was a guiding light for me. He had a bunch of one-on-one conversations being my my freshman year because i came in so like like muscular and strong working with my doctor, my two doctors were both in Pickerington. Right. at the time. Yeah. So and like I I showed up and Brad Phillips and Brennan Smith were at the time telling me, "Oh, he's too big to play safety because I like I I showed up like 210 and yoked and um but that that faded gradually through the season lost my muscle structure, and, like, it didn't bother me because I was just – I wasn't one in a good headspace, um, But then, like – and then, like, just being, like, a practice guy, like – and then, like, I wanted to be at a fun school. All that stuff compounded for a little bit. But then my redshirt freshman year, um, I like, I kind of had a couple good conversations with some friends from back home and um, kind of got my mind a little more right. And then I, I started rooming with Jordan Maven better influence on me. And that's where, like – I started taking my supplements. I said, Oh, I was taking at the time was fish oils and amino acids, but started taking that again. Uh, I I had a teammate in Vince Brown where we'd go and do some extra lifts. And then I, then I was in the mix to start playing safety as a redshirt freshman. I got some reps here and there, um, got a couple interceptions my redshirt freshman year, and then just kind of work like compounded that after. And then, um, and then like, as that happened, like, that's why I started, like, I like, I, I had a cool contrast. to safeties are where I had Brennan Smith and Brad Phillips. Br- uh, Brad was incredibly intelligent, very heady player, and, and, and played physical. And then Smitty was the free flowing, don't let too many thoughts uh, hamper you down kind of stuff. So I started. That's where I started like learning from both of them, taking what I wanted. Um, got a system from Brad. Tried to insert flow from Brennan, and then I had a, a really cool mentor that showed up around that time too, Alan Walking. He was a GA at Northwestern, he's been in the Eagle scouting um, department for a decade now, probably. But he um, he actually created an assessment system for me because he he saw that I was getting this hunger to play, and um, and so my redshirt sophomore year, I had a good season. He goes, "Hey, you can you string together a couple seasons like you you got a shot at the NFL," and that's yeah. so. Nice. momentum gained and then so me and him would every offseason we'd break down all the first team uh all-conference players from around the country we'd watch three games on each one of them do a do a scoring system and then i then i'd watch uh six of my games break them down do a scoring system evaluate and he he basically kind of fueled the things that i need to improve on and that was like that was kind of the start of my chasing edges really and then um and then by the time i got I was—I mean—I was first team all Big Ten, and I thought I'd get an opportunity, but I didn't think any calls on draft day. That whole sob story, and uh, then started my path to get back.
0: So I, I don't know if, if you see it this way, but if
1: you know, looking at
0: Northwestern and how you know now that the program is has become you know pretty well known and for success, and I think I feel like you you guys in that wave of your of your classes kind of started that momentum rolling. Um, do you feel do you feel that way a little bit? Because, you know, you get to the league and now we're seeing guys get to the league a lot more from Northwestern. And I, I don't know, as, as, as an alum, as somebody who's been around the school a long time, um, that's that's pretty cool. But how do you feel about that and kind of the impact that you made kind of carving your own path and helping these guys that are coming from a school like Northwestern kind of get to the NFL, too?
1: Yeah, I, I, I like I, I couldn't tell you where it started. Like I wasn't around when uh, Walker was around. I just, so I only know Fitz, and so I'd put as much emphasis on Fitz for that um, growth, both for the players and the facilities and everything, just he uh, – and it's been cool to see him evolve as a coach, too. Like, he's incredibly different now than he was when I was there, and um, and maybe that's just our conversations are different because, I like, I was in the NFL when we were talking and out of the program, but um, I don't know. Like, the foundation – like, I, th- I think we had a cool um, – a cool transition of uh, kind of like player camaraderie while we were there. Like it was always like a fun, goofy locker room and that kind of thing. And like the football players had to sit together because again, it's a, it's a small university. We, we caught some flack for getting scholarships anyways and that kind of thing. It was always a fun little um, headbutt around campus sometimes. But Oh um, really, is that right? Oh <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, it's like, like uh, some of the frat guys and then like even like some of the girls I dated would like resent me and some of my buddies for having Not a scholarship that's, that's, yeah that's but,
0: ridiculous but and uh, NU.
1: you's got a different type of person man you're right you're right no, about but, that. Like, but like that's what i but honestly like um looking back like i like i wouldn't trade it for anything because like so that freshman year where like again uh like we sat down like we did our whole um integration or whatever like where they the big meeting to start and they said that we had like a, a hundred countries represented in our, our freshman class. And it blew my mind. And like, like I had, like I've come from like, a, a, again, like my, my, my school was actually pretty, uh, pretty diverse. And, but like, it, like I grew up in the country, so like get there. And then uh, the, the relationships I made on my, my floor freshman year were just lights out. Like it's, it's really, they're just really cool. Um, Cause again, we had, we probably had, we probably had maybe ten countries represented on our our floor alone. And yeah,
0: no, you're right the, about that, man. I mean, Northwestern is—it's it's like, crazy how, how just how diverse it is, and it's gotten more so, I think, over the years. As as far as the name name is considered, uh, more people like more people are gravitate to it.
1: Yeah, no doubt, and it, it was just like I, I, but I hadn't taken an interest in anything global politics wise either. And like, at that point, like it became a conversation and I didn't have a stance. Like, I was like, Oh, USA, whatever. And like, so, so I, I learned fast. And like, you learn the, the impact, like the social influence, like the global influence the United States has a little, little deeper, um, how closely, uh, internationally our politics are watched. And like, so that's how, that's where I like initially started to generate my own political stance because up to that, I was just a kid playing football. And, um, so that like i attribute northwestern to that like develop like that balance or that development of that side of my life and it was really cool and just uh again like even like i mean i had a like my i had a kid across the hallway chintan modi he used to like he'd fix my computer fix my um uh printer and stuff whenever it broke down just incredibly intelligent And then he'd like teach me while while he's fixing my stuff and i just and i still use some of the computer fixes that he use. <laughs> so just
0: cool. like uh
1: it was a really cool uh, environment, like looking back now, I wish I would have dove even deeper into it, but um, I, I got off track there. But I No, know. no,
0: no, it's okay. I mean, that's just, I mean, I, I, I had the same thing. I had a teacher. I was, you know, that's why I do journalism. So it's terrible at math, science. It's not my thing, really. So I decided to write and do, <laughs> do different things with that. So, but I remember my, my freshman year, I wanted to get my math credit out of the way, and it was in uh, Lunt Hall. Uh, I don't know how that building's still standing, by the way, but um, it, I had a, a teacher, this Russian lady, I, we could barely understand what she was saying, but like every now and then you would encounter these professors and you, I think you just, afterwards, you do really appreciate the, the, the type of impact that Northwestern can have on people. And I, I just think it's so cool that the football program is, is become what it is. And for somebody who's played there, you got to think that that's, that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, the, the the pride's off the charts, and like, it's cool that like a decent amount of coaching staff still there. Um, Jay Hooten, and the strength coach is still there. Like, like I'm friends with those guys, so like the the dynamic when I go like go back still like feels like I'm coming home. Like, because like some guys don't have that luxury. Like, you, I've been out of college for hell almost a decade, and some coaches like some places have had four coaches since then, and it's right. not home. And I, and I I saw that when I was training at Ohio State where like urban came in didn't know the guys that um I was training with and that kind of thing and saw that happen so now it it was super cool and then I again like um I got my full dose in northwestern a couple of weeks ago just getting caught up on all the the moving players and parts and that kind of thing just because I was with uh Dan persa Jack Donardo Drake oh, yeah. down yeah. we, we had we had a little gentleman's lunch in Chicago, um that kind of thing so um but yeah, so it was cool to get caught up and refresh. And then, like, I've been through the new facility, obviously, but uh, not since they really, they, they sunk their teeth into it now. So I'm looking forward to get up to uh, some practices and that kind of thing uh, here this year, hopefully. I saw Dan
0: Purse, uh, we were in Chicago, it was a couple of years ago when I, I, that's when I went to go see the facility. Um, I saw him on the street outside, like a little pizza spot in downtown Chicago, right? Right off Michigan Avenue. <laughs> yeah. And I saw him and I said, damn Persa, go cats, man. Thanks for everything you did. And he was just like, What, wait, wait, what? Yeah. He was right re- <laughs> that he was recognized. But uh, those are some fun teams that you guys uh that you guys had. And yeah. I do appreciate, it. I gotta thank you because I think you got JJ to wear the only piece of purple <laughs> that uh I think he's ever worn in his life in that one picture. I think it was a bet, right? That that when yeah. you first maybe got yeah. there, I think, and you beat Wisconsin. That was awesome. Yeah, that was, that was-
1: honestly that was my first year there and then he uh he didn't take the bet a couple other times after that so well that was he
0: was a smart man because yeah. i would not have worked out in his favor uh from that yeah. point forward i do have to ask you about the uh kind of transitioning back to what you're doing every time you you know you post pictures about you in the in the cold water i get cold just looking at them but like what what do you tell people about that and how does that for people that don't really know you know there's that cryotherapy uh technology and all that but this is something different like how does that help you be the athlete that you are now and stay stay so well in shape
1: yeah for sure um there's a couple heads to that beast because there's not a, like so um even like the guy that uh invented rice breast ice compression elevation came out and said like he's basically like fundamentally wrong in like the ice department like there's certain things and certain times when you really shouldn't use ice and that's coming out now that like after like a strength training session and even some of the practices you shouldn't ice, like it, it dulls and blunts the inflammatory response that you want for growth and aerobic adaptation. So, um, no, like the ice, like, so like, there's not, again, there's not a lot of great science behind it. Um, but we use it as a stressor. Like, like no matter t- how many times I've been in the cold water, I don't like it. Um, like, 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 like I, don't, I don't know how you could because yeah, like, like I, I like it and I, or I hate it and I love it but like yeah. so it's um the our hardest part's always getting in but like um it's very hard to like I guess mimic stressful environments like in the in the natural world like yeah you can do it in your training like in certain ways and like bet conditioning on like you getting this rep or this throw or whatever have you want to do it but like um physiologically the like uh, just a hard like we're, we're scared of suffocating. So that's why we train um, with ex- exhale breath holds and we'll have you do work with no air in your lungs and things like that. Because we're, again, we're creating a stressor um, to get you, get the animal in you amped up. And then we want you to control your breath in this stressful environment. So the ice is our stadium, like our stadium of 100,000 people is the ice. If you can control your breath in an environment, you control the environment. If you can draw your breath in a position, you can c- control the position. Like if you can't breathe in a squat, you're not going to be properly breathe like breathe and braced and protect your spine. So like think, all that stuff compounds. But like what we're really doing is we're giving you tools to breathe and control your state in those stressful environments. So we um, we teach you about the balance of the breath. We teach you about what's happening when you inhale, what's happening when you exhale. Obviously, you inhale oxygen, exhale uh, carbon dioxide. If you exhale and if you play with this ratio now, like we breathe around like 30 to 7%, like we're never breathing in 100%, dumping all our oxygen. And so you can actually play with the amount of oxygen that gets to the certain depths of cells to the brain. Like you can do Wim Hof and get lightheaded. You can get finger tingles, all these things, just because it's a physiological adaptation to the level of oxygen that you currently have in your system. Um, but like that we
0: like that. all that stuff, that, that, that feels like it's intimidating for people that you're trying to. Oh, for thing. sure. I mean, that, that seems, I mean, that, that's throwing a, a lot of, uh, at people that are trying to kind of do what you want them to do. But yeah. I mean, I guess it's just one of those things that if you try it for the first time, you see the results
1: and then you just kind of buy in. Right. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, it's re- the whole goal is to reframe your mind. Like, 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 I think happiness, like happiness is a true product of growth. And I think everybody wants to grow and be better. If you look in the future, there's not a lot of people that look and say, Oh, shit like you know it's like not like the future is going to be terrible nobody like pictures that everybody believes in hope and possibility and that kind of thing um but i kind of lost my train of thought with that that one the tangent i wanted to go on but um uh the reframing of the mind is is powerful and we've been told our entire lives that like you go outside without a hat and gloves you're gonna get sick like if you stay outside without your shirt on in 32 degree weather you're gonna die like people tell you that the cold's gonna kill you and then we get you in there and reframe your mind like, oh, this isn't going to kill me. I have tools to deal with this. Like we, did, we haven't had AC for the entire existence of humans on this planet. We like modern comfort has made us very soft humans. Like we, we go from that 70 degrees in the house to 70 degrees in the car to 70 degrees at work to the car and back home. And we have energy systems to deal with all the stuff that we don't use. And like people have theories on like that's where autonomic nervous or autonomic diseases come from like, uh, amino issues and dysfunction, all those kind of things. Um, but like that's besides the point, but at the end of the day, like it's all just using, like using and training your animal. Like you can beat that. Like these are worldly, um, temperatures that you'll face. Like the cryo, I'm not a huge cryo guy. Um, if anything, I use it for pre-performance because it shuttles the blood into the joints and your vitals. So like, cause it's, you're never going to experience negative 150 on this planet. God willing. Yeah, that's right. But, but um, I, I know but
0: that the, stuff's always kind of intimidated me, man, because I like I, I deal with like heart palpitations all the time. And it's maybe this stuff would be gr- perfect for me, honestly, because I, I'm, I'm always I, I don't know when it comes up. Maybe it's a lot of stress. I got two kids. And I'm getting my yeah. butt kicked daily. <laughs> <laughs> in a new house um so maybe maybe it does maybe that's something something would that would be good for me but that, that's why they all have, like, the all like the really cold temperatures always kind of concern me
1: yeah of- and 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 i'll I'll give the disclaimer that please consult a physician before doing any of this of course
0: but, uh, <laughs> of course
1: but, uh yeah so but it's just um yeah it's, it, again it's just a tool it's um yeah. the, the ice is a tool like um and like again like we and there's foundations to all this stuff like like yeah you should start with breath work and then work into exposure but like you should like if you if you want to be happy and healthy like the foundations are sun sleep and no stress like like that just very simple that we don't get anymore especially like again living in a Chicago or Minnesota like we're not getting the sun we're supposed to get I'm I'm out I'm tame as hell right now I've been I'm outside as much as I possibly can be right um We, we wear clothes like where the surface area of our body is true. Like the bigger surface area of our body is not exposed to sun, like vitamin D deficiency in the United States at like 70%, something like something crazy. Ryan, you like- know
0: what? That kind of relates to COVID too, man. Um, uh, because
1: huge, yeah, huge it's a part, huge it's part it. of it,
0: huge part of it. Yeah. And that's why I always thought it was just so ironic in such a sad way. You're telling people to stay inside, but if you, if you don't have vitamin D, I mean that vitamin D seems like one of the,
1: one of the biggest things to combat the, uh, yeah. The
0: risk of getting COVID.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it may not be the risk of actually getting it, but of actually being like traumatic, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the level was 60, whatever the NGMA, like the nanograms or whatever ends up being in your blood is what you want. You want it above 60, but, um, I think that's what most of the research was done, but yeah, like it's, it's again, very simple things. Like we're just, we're so far removed from nature now that especially America, um, we have so many problems and so much money behind simple foods and foods that are unnatural, all that stuff, and it compounds. And like, we're a pretty ignorant species around the world anyways. Like we believe because we have electricity that we should stay up longer than we should. All, like all that stuff, all that stuff influences um, our body, our nervous system, our mind, like our ability to process food, all that stuff. And- I'll, never for, I'll never forget, it's funny you mentioned that.
0: I'll never forget that
1: when the, when the whole
0: pandemic hit, um and then later when we had the ice storms right i go to kroger and the line was long outside of kroger there was the the, the healthy food section was completely full yeah. right i go to the little debbie section and it's all gone yeah <laughs> and that's where the simple foods come in it just when you said that it kind of triggered that memory because was like that's what yeah. everybody rushes towards you know
1: yeah yeah that and it just like and we're not as sustainable as we think we are. And um, I think we'll see, like there's a massive drought going on on the West coast right now too. That's super scary. But um, like, I, I I can't remember what the stat, like what the statistic was, but like, yeah, we have grocery stores, but I think like if like the operations got shut down, I think it's like enough food to last. It was like three days or two weeks total or something like that. And then like, then what do we do? Yeah,
0: no, I mean, it's, it's amazing how quickly these stores run out of stuff. Like, and then, you know, the supply lines are affected and everything else, you know, go down the line, everything's connected. But yeah, I mean, that's how it was here during the ice storm. I mean, it was gone. Everything was gone. Um, Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. Okay, I have to ask you one more thing before we go. Um, You know, I try to stay in shape as best as possible. And you know, you're, you're a pro athlete and all that we see all your workouts and all that. So if you had to develop if you had to develop a workout routine, a workout regimen, or, you know, even the stuff that happens after the workout to kind of keep your body strong and all that, what would you, what would you tell people?
1: Um, again, I'd start with the the sun sleep, no stress concept, mm-hmm. um, seven and a half hours minimum a night, um, just from like an optimal performance standpoint, uh, sun as much as possible no stress is hard these days like control your inputs control what control what you can and like a lot of what we coach is philosophy too and it's a lot of stoicism um and that makes your life a lot easier when you stop trying to control things that you can't and basically control your stress but like if you get your blood work done you can figure out cortisol levels and testosterone those kind of things which are massive but uh if i'm training initially um just for like gen pop stuff uh I'd just, I'd make my workouts quick, easy, and accessible, um, like eliminate the, the barriers to whatever is holding you back. Like all it is, is frequency and persistence. Um, and whether you do that, like right when you wake up or when you get home, all that kind of stuff, just figure out what is best for you. And then after that, like I'm a big, um, (laughs) um, hypertrophy time and attention guy, like high, like I've gotten more into powerlifting as of late just because my 4 a.m. group does that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, like you can get a lot done in 15 minutes if you really want to. Like try holding a Bulgarian split squat for a minute on each leg. That's two minutes of work, do three sets of that. Like that can be your leg day. Do some hamstring curls or like, even if you go, if, you're, if you're a walker or a hiker, mm-hmm. lunge for 10, 15 minutes of that and see what it does to your legs, see what it does to your aerobic capacity. There's very like simple hacks to get into that thing. Um, but like people overcomplicate and think they got to go to the gym for an hour and walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes and then go like do curls. And like, if you're living in like these five to eight rep weight window or uh, repetition windows, and you're not like increasing the weight pretty drastically to where you fatigue, your growth is going to be, take a lot longer. You're not going to again, see the results and it's easier to become, um, undisciplined um, and unmotivated. So like make like pack a lot of work into short amounts of time and make the gym accessible and like the gym can be a chair like you can do Bulgarian split squats on a chair then you can do hamstring isometric hold you can do a lot of stuff you can like you can stand and do one like forward side back and do 12 reps on on each leg like you can do workouts at home and you have the internet you can literally youtube home workouts for a million hours probably like there the market is incredibly saturated but people don't make those choices and um so yeah that's like that's where i'd start um i, I mean i mine my, my whole entire personal approach is pretty complex but um yeah like that like it's again it's the the biggest workout advice i have is do it and then um outside of that i just i i prefer to train in like high re- high repetition and isometric states i like to uh connect my tissue like I'll I'll do a lot of exercises that fire glutes and hamstrings together the entire posterior chain things along those lines that I think are super beneficial I like training my shoulders at their weakest point um and protect my shoulders long term because football beat my shoulders up Mm. um that kind of thing so it's just I mean I can I could talk about training for three hours so it's just (laughs) like um and yeah so now that I've and I've spent a lot of time learning and getting certification since I stopped playing too, just to, again, enhance. And if that's gonna be a job route down the future for me with MindStrong or personally, I just, I'd like to be able to speak the anatomy, the the biomechanics, those kind of things. So um, it just, things I enjoy, um, but it's that's just, true. again, yeah, like tra- training, nothing's rocket surgery, like diet's not rocket surgery. Um, like if it grows in the ground and it's meat, like eat it outside of that, like implement simple car- carbohydrates, like yeah, no, everything else, like everything's too easy these days. Like, it's so like, like don't buy the crap at the grocery store. So it's not in your house when you're hungry, like just all, all those little hacks. And um, again, it's just a bunch of marginal gains stacked together. And over time, like you'll see the results you want. And for me, like that's addicting, like the addicting side is the results for me. So like, I've all like, and that's why I always gravitated towards the weight room and the work capacity stuff is because, like, it was incredibly tangible. Like, I, I, like, I spent more time in the weight room, I got stronger. I spent yeah. more time training, like, plyometrics and running mechanics and dynamic. And I got faster. Like, why would I not do it? And, wow. that, and like, when you, and when you cheat on your diets and your workouts, you don't see the results as fast. Oh, very simple. Yeah. You know? Easy fix. Easy yeah. fix. Uh well
0: Brian man I hope uh, I hope you get another shot at it. Um appreciate you. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're ready uh you're ready for it. It seems like you're ready for it. And good luck to you man on all those uh all those ventures. I may yeah. hit you up and see if uh you can show me how to breathe better and kind of train a little yeah. bit because I feel like I need that sometimes. Not, not, yeah.
1: well, well, God willing, I'll be able to coach uh, coach that to athletes in the future in the NFL. It, it just hasn't cracked the surface yet, there yet.
0: That was Brian Peters, a former NFL linebacker. I hope he gets another shot in the league. He deserves it. Uh, I think every team needs one of those guys that just, just balls out, balls to the wall type guy that doesn't care about throwing his body around, making plays. I think it'd be it would be really cool for him to get another job in the NFL. He's he's awesome on special teams, and uh, like you mentioned, he, he could be a long snapper too. I didn't even know that about him, but um, yeah, that was fun stuff. And like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of reach back out to him and see if I can get in on those some of those breathing exercises because, I mean, some of the things that he does because he's able to control his breathing so much, like jumping in tubs of ice for 20 minutes, like, th- like that stuff, if I dip my toe in ice for 10 seconds, I'm done, yeah, I'm, I'm out for the day, so um, Brian was excellent, and I, I really appreciate him stopping by, and uh, he stops by Houston every now and then, so uh, it's really cool to talk to guys like that, guys that, you know, really value and appreciate what they have in the league, and I think Brian is one of those guys that he he just, he works so hard to get there. And now he, he wants to help other people do the same that were in his position, that are in his position to just get better, find those edges, as he said. So I think that's a great mindset. Every little bit helps, and that goes in every pr- profession, every workout, everything that you do, you make sure to find those edges, and it's a cumulative effort, right? They all build into a, a larger gain, as Brian mentioned, so... Thank you, Brian, and uh, go Cats. I'm glad he's going back to NU to check out that facility once it's now fully operational. It's a great place. I think he's going to love it there. And um, you know what? If he doesn't continue this path, I think coaching is in his future too because he's just he's just a cool dude. So anyway, thanks to Brian. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. I'm not sure what next week holds. We'll see. But it's always a surprise. That's, uh, that's how I look at it. And I will catch you on the flip side. See you later.